Hey listener, this podcast is called Trigger Warning Romance for a reason. It is intended for an 18 plus audience due to the adult context and triggers that may be discussed in each episode. Please check the show notes for a full list of triggers and proceed with caution. You have been properly warned. It's time to count off the triggers. Welcome to Trigger Warning Romance, everybody. I'm Nat. I'm Tori. And tonight we're going to be doing a deep dive into Keep Me by Anna Zaries. Yes. Follow up to last week's episode on Twist Me. It's book two in the trilogy. Um, We hope that you liked book one's episode. Um, And we're going to be going uh, head over heels deeper into the world of Crazy Julian. So (laughs) let's do it. My very first note on this is I, I take excessive notes when I read because it's the only way that I'm going to keep everything straight with as much as I, I go through it with as many books as I go through. And my very first note is I love getting the inside scoop on Julian's crazy. Yes. Yes. We were saying in the last episode how we did not like that it was only in Nora's POV um, twist me, but we figured out why our dum-dums figured out why, why it needed to be in in just Nora's POV. So while we accept it, we do not like it. (laughs) It is possible to appreciate the work and the craftsmanship because it is a very well-written book, but I didn't care for that result. Yeah. Just like you said, we want into crazy Julian's brain. We want to know exactly what he's thinking. I want- Dewey in this one. Anna's Aries, can can you write like, keep me, but like just in Julian's POV, like as a- a bonus i'd take that i would read that in like a heartbeat <laughs> be like yes please i want to know everything <laughs> also i'm not really sure if i'm pronouncing her name correctly i hope i am so if i'm not please let me know people <laughs> yeah don't hesitate to correct us yeah there's plenty um, of options you can check out our tiktok you can check out our instagram you can check out our facebook we're happy for any and all comments and commentary. Yes. Links but are because this is this is only our third episode. So <laughs> learning. It's a yeah. work in progress. <laughs> we are a baby podcast. We don't know what we're doing. Okay. We're just floored that anybody's even listening to us like mumble about books. <laughs> so thank you for your support. We welcome all constructive criticism. <laughs> okay, so let's keep going. So book two starts off with Julian's POV. And we get excited about that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) He mentions this several times throughout the book. And I have such mixed feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But but he he thinks it, uh, like I said, on several occasions that he's trained her to feel safe with him. He's trained her to respond to him he's yeah. trained to love him on some level that bothers me and on some level that makes me go yes <laughs> i think that's the and point I have to, be able to reconcile the two <laughs> my feminist brain is not happy with the rest of me my brain hijacking it 
Look, we've covered this in episode one. Feminist brains turn off when reading dirty, um, dark romance smut. Okay. And it's fine. I actually talked to my very, very good friend who's a psychiatrist. And I was like, why, why, why? I know I'm a, I'm a sane human being. I asked her if she wanted to come podcast and tell us like why, why we are the way we are and why so many other people out there are the way we are. And she said, she said, quote, the human body is crazy. There is no rhyme or reason. So I can't come on there and tell you why, because everybody has a different reason. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. So there's nothing wrong with us. Thank you, doctor. She's a legit doctor too. So I feel okay about it. (laughs) So everybody, you should feel good about turning off your, sometimes I think we just need to turn off our feminist brain and just, you know, turn on the, the id brain that just wants what it wants and no rhyme or reason for it. So yes. My brain definitely knew what it wanted after this book. <laughs> I would I would take a Julian to my very own, crazy or not. Yeah. And and he's definitely banana pants crazy. Banana I like pants. even my phone recognizes banana pants crazy now, <laughs> which I think is hysterical. Banana pants crazy is the only way to describe some dark romance, including this one. How else are you gonna describe a semi-mafia e borderline psychopathic sociopath who we will get into it but does some crazy things in this book this last 30 percent of this book i know we were talking and you were like holy banana pants the last 30 percent of this book oh by the way i shouldn't have to say this but there's gonna be spoilers so if you haven't read it and you don't want spoilers go read it and then listen and if you want spoilers then keep on going but hopefully you've had the opportunity to read before you've listened to this so yeah I'm hoping we're not going to be spoiling too much. Yeah, absolutely. The book starts off with, remind me. Right after he's come to get her. This starts out when they're on their way to the airport. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go to the airport. She's willing to go on to the the airplane with him. And then he's like, all right, cool. Like, we're going to stop off in Bogota. She's like, all right, cool. She thinks like they have business there or something. And they do have business there, but it's not the kind of business (laughs) he thinks. Well, before we get to that point, I just want to, I want to go back to something in chapter two. Sure. There was, um, she talks to her therapist. Oh yeah. Uh, and they talk about Stockholm syndrome, capture bonding, traumatic bonding. And the therapist really wants her to talk about Julianne and how she feels, but, but Nora's not about to do that. Um, but she says, and this is a direct quote, I don't know if it's as simple as that, though, or if it even matters at this point. Naming something doesn't make it go away. Mm-hmm. But because of my emotional attachment to Julian, I can't turn it off. I can't yeah. make myself love him any less. She loves him. And that is echoed through so many places in this book. Yeah. But I think that's the clearest that, that, I, that I've seen it stated. Mm-hmm. So I just, I wanted to highlight that and make that known. But yeah, so they're they're stopping off and he doesn't tell her why. Yeah. We're making a stop. And well, they have like, sex on the plane first, don't they? They do. Of course they do. Hello, it's a romance novel and you're on a plane. It's a this private is, plane. You got a bedroom and everything. There's a shower. This is kind of like bunnies. I mean, they just go at it like rabbits in this book. Yeah, this book has a lot of sex in it, which I'm for it. Like <laughs> not complaining. That is not a complaint. Let me make that clear. Not a complaint. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, they get to the place and he's like, all right, uh, by the way, we're going to get married now. <laughs> and she's like, wait, what? I, I don't want to marry you. She's still only she's so young. Right. And I think she's what, like 19 here. Yeah. And as a 19 year old, as an any sane 19 year old, marriage isn't something you think about until you're much older as an American. And that's what she, you know, it's not like. In some maybe some other countries, eighteen is an okay time to to get married. But in a rural, like a suburb of Chicago, you know, middle class family, you don't get married at nineteen. Well, I did, but that was a mistake, and we know how that turned out. So, well, <laughs> <laughs> so some people do, some and people some people do. work out well. But in general, not so much. <laughs> the proposal was they show up at the church. And she's like, what are we doing here? And he says, can't you guess my pet? <laughs> they get married. Of course. Of course. Like, you know, like you do, because he needs a proposal. Yeah. There's, I mean, Julian has many things, but he is not romantic. <laughs> okay. No. He is one possessive motherfucker. Yeah. I'm for it. Again, my like, I don't know, oh, Susie homemaker brain is for it. <laughs> for it that was what I liked you know last episode if you didn't catch up we recorded the entire episode and we forgot to talk about the sex it happened and then we moved on yeah so we talked about the sex in this one we're gonna talk exclusively about the sex in this one because it was really really good oh my god it was so hot bravo sex scene in the book is on the plane and it's from Julian's point of view yes I was so excited for it and all romance books cross the board that have any kind of sadomasochism or pain play or impact play or anything that you want to to call it goes into detail about the subspace mm-hmm. the heroine this is the first book that i can recall where it's talked about this headspace for the dominant mm-hmm. and how exhilarated and how how high he flies when he's topping her during this scene yeah and I just thought that was such a a breath of fresh air I really appreciated that yeah I I quite enjoyed that as well but that's because I just like being in Julian's crazy head (laughs) well there's that too um it's it's in that chapter where you really where you first really see the possessiveness come out Mm -hmm. it I mean he's just over the top we talked about this in episode one how mine is totally my trope and I'm like trash for it Julian encompasses mine like it's his job I thought about you as I read it because I'm like oh I see why Nat liked it (laughs) I got it I I, aha you see why I imprinted on this book (laughs) I was like this is it he says I want to be her entire life I want to own her completely and then it just you know I want to be her everything, her protector and her tormentor, her joy and her sorrow. Aww. I want to bind her to me physically and emotionally to brand myself so deeply on her mind and soul that she will never think about leaving me. Yeah. Guys, if you're listening, <laughs> what we want. <laughs> yeah. It's At a- least theoretically. Well, I might punch you in the nuts if you did it, but theoretically, it's, it's an awesome idea. Look, if my husband said that to me, I think my brain would explode. I think I would ovulate on the spot. Here, make me pregnant. Okay, 
that's not please don't i'm done having babies <laughs> <laughs> please don't no again book brain and regular brain not happening together yeah yeah it's hot back to the wedding surprised that he did the church wedding well it, you know why he did I it to figure out why yeah he decided to do the church wedding and then i was like you bastard yeah it's smart it's so smart I mean, he's he's manipulative but in a really smart way right? i mean so, he blackmails her into what into the wedding of course he does he says no and he's like oh i see so justice for jake we'll just get rid of him so you can't think about anymore hashtag justice for jake you need to do a tiktok for justice for jake with that hashtag (laughs) Hashtag justice for jake poor jake yeah so she says no i don't want to marry you like i love she says i love you but i i don't i'm not ready i can't get married i can't get married right now and he's like all right cool so that means that you're still like in love with jake and he pulls out his phone he's like i'm gonna get rid of him and she's like what do you mean no 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 don't get rid of jake like it was nothing to do with jake and he's like, nope, I should have gotten rid of him a long time ago. Um, he's been in your head this whole time. I am not, I am not for it. So she's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll, ma- I'll marry you. Leave Jake alone, please, please. All right, cool. Put this phone away. That's exactly what he wanted. Hashtag just for Jake. All just, all poor Jake did was take this poor this girl on a date. I, I think he got to kiss her once and that's it. He didn't, nothing happened. Yeah, it's right after the kiss that, that, that no, at all. Yeah, I went to hell. So he's a kiss on a first date. And he's gotten beat up twice, badly beat up twice, just for kissing her. So poor Jake, justice for Jake. I will make a TikTok for Jake. Because he's a cute guy too. Like he's a nice guy. He he didn't do anything wrong. And um some of the other books that we you and I have read together, uh, like Descent, where that um heroin went on a date with that jerk. And yeah. he got beat up. I did not feel bad about that. I feel bad for Jake. Jake is a nice guy. The The worst thing he ever did was throw a kegger in his parents' house, which he was trying to clean up. Like, it was a very nice thing for him to do. Anyway, we've gone on a tangent about Jake. We we do that a lot. We do. Tangents, tangents are us. That could be our new name. Yeah. So, um, Julian, he has, like, a whole dress ready. He's got a makeup crew right there. He's got a hair lady there. He's like ready to go. He's got a photographer. There's the the priest, everybody. He's got a dress and everything fits beautifully. I mean, it, it's been tailored for her. Yeah. It is everything that she could possibly want. Except for she doesn't want to get married. <laughs> if she wanted to get married. Details. Hmm. Just details. Yeah. So then he's like, you want to call your parents and tell them? And she's like, the reason with the photographer and the everything it's because you want it to seem like I went with you completely willingly and if I have a beautiful wedding with pictures of the happy couple in a church that means that you did not kidnap me and he even kind of spoon feeds her the story to tell mm-hmm. her parents you know about how we fell in love and yeah I might have I might have kidnapped you and taken you away to my desert island or my deserted island and let you spend all this time reading and running and painting and living your best life. And we fell in love. Mm-hmm. And you have decided to come with me and we're getting married. Yeah. And the kicker is he wants her to introduce him to her parents. I know. The balls on this man. Come I mean, on. He carries them in a suitcase. 
oh my god and she's like wait you want me to introduce you to my parents so he sets up a zoom call with her parents and he's all like handsome in his tux and she's in her wedding finery yeah and and then he introduces her to to a to the parents and obviously they're not pleased with the situation because he lets her call them first and her mom is freaking out because she hasn't been answering her phone and like where are you she's like don't freak out i'm in columbia she's like what (laughs) no big deal it's all good just columbia just columbia and like you know a whole country like continent away pretty much so they meet and Nora's mom is the smart one here because she realizes that if she doesn't make nice nice with Julian, she'll never see Nora again because Nora's dad's freaking out. Understandably. Yes. And she's elbowing him. Okay. It's very nice to meet you, Julian. Behave. Yeah. I mean, it's a smart move because it's very easy for Julian to like not let her see her parents again if they don't behave, if they go to the authorities or, and you know, report her missing and not willingly leaving. Julian even says, you know, I'm going to take care of her. She will never, she won't want for anything. She will have everything her heart desires. I will make sure she has a good education. And her, her dad says, you can't buy her from us. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when her mom was like, stop talking. Stop talking. Just- <laughs> tape to come out. <laughs> yeah. But they have the wedding and it's it's a beautiful wedding. Yes. And she looks like this happy, glowing bride. She doesn't understand anything in the in the wedding ceremony because she doesn't speak Spanish. Yeah. But she just like, you know, parrots it, the, the vows in, in Spanish because she does speak. I mean, she doesn't speak fluent Spanish, but we do know that she has um, a Mexican background. So her grandmother, I think, spoke Spanish. I believe so. Yes. So she can she can make out a little bit of something. <laughs> it'd be like me speaking spanish <laughs> after the wedding it's so sp- on the plane yep and he's like rest sleep you're tired let me take care of you and they fly home mm-hmm. to the jungle to the amazon right on the edge of the rainforest yeah what is it with this man and hot climates he doesn't like the cold as we'll find out later <laughs> when he goes to russia I'm not, I'm for it. I don't like the cold either. So I don't either. And I live in Buffalo. (laughs) Yeah, it's cold. It's not as cold as where you are, but it's still cold here. But it's actually quite sweet because he like, he's so traditional in a way. He carries her off the plane and like, you know, into the house wedding style, you know, in his arms. And when he's not being a possessive, overbearing ass, he is incredibly sweet. He is. He, He gives her the wedding night of her dreams. I know he's so sweet. There's no like spanking or anything. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's 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 pretty vanilla sex, but it was it was hot. It was hot. Except, can we just talk about word choice for a minute? Sure, go ahead. You know, everybody has something against the word moist. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> everybody, anywhere that you, any romance reader that you that you talk to. Here's the word moist, and we all just cringe. Blech. Well, I found another one in this one in this scene. Okay, because she talk he talks about running his hand up her cleft, <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I mean, it's a step up from gash, which some authors have used. Oh, God, and, but 
to talk about just going <laughs> a moment for a second, I was like, whoa, no, that's a word that authors take note. You could leave cleft out of any sex scene and it would be okay. I didn't mind it. I mean, it, it wasn't, it's not like my favorite word, but it's, it's, I, I'm a new, I'm neutral on it. I didn't mind it. But it, this was a scene that made me go, this is why I really like Anna Zeri's sex scenes. This, this was the, the scene that, and it, again, it's from Julian's perspective. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how he, it, it's his thoughts on how he's responding to her. And it's not physical. It is all emotional. It is all mental. And it made me go, holy hell. Mm-hmm. It's at the end of, of chapter seven, I think. He says, I lose myself in her in the sounds and smells of hot, no holds barred sex. Nora is like liquid fire in my arms, her slim body arching against me, her legs twining around my thighs. Each thrust brings me deeper into her until I feel like we're fusing together, melding oh, one another. So good. And I just melted. It's so I mean, good. That was a swoon, definite swoon moment there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I can't, you guys are just going to have to read it. Like, we can't do it justice. It's really good sex. It's really, really good. And we haven't even gotten to my favorite sex scene yet. That's Ooh, I, I can't wait to see which one that is because I, I, I too have a favorite sex scene. <laughs> I wonder if it's the same one. Now, I don't remember. Does Julian allow her birth control? She's on the, uh, what's it called? Implant. She oh, had okay. it. She's had it this whole time since she was, I think, I don't know, like three years ago. I think her, her mom put her on it. We talked about it in, um, in oh, that's right. Twist Me because her mom, I think, worked in a clinic or something. And she saw a lot of teen pregnancies and she was terrified of Nora having. So as soon as Nora was like of the age of dating, she put she went and like got her the implant, which is, again, very clever for Anna to put in the book for multiple reasons as we'll uh, we'll see later because she got kidnapped to an island right without her pills if she was on the pills then that's like a whole thing but the implant like lasts for years and you don't even have to think about it it's just there so yes she's on birth control it's all good the next part that i really liked was she kept being introduced as senora escara Mm -hmm. i'm not sure that, that, how you pronounce that name but she freaks out every time they refer to her with his last name yeah because she didn't want to get married also it's weird i'm a 34 year old lady i'm married but anytime somebody refers to me as mrs my husband's last name i still get freaked out i went through that when when my name changed and mm-hmm. i was like oh that's me yeah because when i heard mrs insert last name i thought of his mother yeah, me too. Same thing. That was her. Same thing. So the fact that she freaked out didn't surprise me. Julian's response to her freaking out. I mean, that was just not okay. I mean, it was perfectly fine. No, how he reacted was perfectly fine. But her <laughs> responding that way was not okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to be, to be adjusting to. Again, the, the reason this book makes sense is because Nora is so young to be thrust upon with like all these weird adult responsibilities and situations for someone so young it's a lot to adjust to no one like no wonder he definitely grooms her right like into being his pet as he's oh, yes. calling her and the reason it's so easy to do is because she's a young little lady me at 19 versus me at 34 at 19 you could definitely gotten away with a lot more than than you can get away with now 
Oh, absolutely. But the other thing that really works with her age, we mentioned this in the last episode, and we talked about heroines who are too stupid to live mm-hmm. because that is one of my personal irritants yeah. of the romance world is yeah. the, you have these heroines that are just too stupid to live and you just want to smack some sense into them. Yes. Nora at least recognizes that there's dysfunction in the relationship, mm-hmm. recognizes that theoretically this is not okay. She recognizes that sometimes she loves him and sometimes she hates him that she loves him more. She recognizes that there's that dichotomy. And so it, it really works as the, for the character. And I think that, I think that it's well-written beautifully into her personality and how she struggles and how she grows. Yeah. The growth, the growth arc for her is amazing. And for him too, actually, like he, especially now that we see into his brain, we can see him kind of changing a little bit. Slowly, incrementally. Very, very slowly. Yeah, absolutely. And Nora understands that it's it's weird and it's messed up and it's because she's got Stockholm syndrome or whatever else. And she feels really guilty about it. She feels guilty for liking being with him and, and like and liking him in general. <laughs> so it works. It works. It works. Anyway. So she meets the staff the next day. And again, they like keep referring to her. She's like, please just call me Nora. And they they do. And she meets Rosa which is this young maid and they bond and become friendly. It's nice because for once we see her have a friend like right there. Beth was kind of a friend, but there was a lot of underlying tension. Yes. This is once for once, I would say it's on equal footing. If not, she's actually got a little bit more power because she's senora. Right. And it's nice to see that she's still capable of being friends with somebody her own age because they're close in age if they're not exactly the same age I think they're like about a year apart about a year apart because Nora's about to turn 20 and Rosa I believe she said is is 21 maybe 2021 yeah something like that and then we meet Anna who is the like cook and house housekeeper and she's almost like a pseudo Julian mom she knew him as a child she's lived there pretty much all her life yeah and Nora asks Rosie, like, why do you, why are you living here? You know, like, why are you working for him? Like, don't you know he's a horrible human being? <laughs> and she's like, it's better than the alternative. You know, my fam, my mom was here and she's grateful for, for me being born here because even after everybody got murdered on, on the state before, like, you know, during her, his father's reign, because it was relatively safe. Nobody violated her. She didn't have to be a, a street walker. It's, she's like, it's, it was nice. We like it here. <laughs> but she does, she does mention that she wants to travel. She wants mm-hmm. to go to New York City. Yeah. Uh, but she is perfectly content and perfectly happy because she says, Julian takes care of us. Mm-hmm. Care of what's his. You should know that by now. Yeah. And then it's like very domestic for a while. And that's when Tori was like, wait, is this going to be the whole book? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was I was concerned for a while. I appreciated that she continued with the self-defense classes that she was taking. Mm-hmm. That was hot. And too. that he taught her how to, he better taught her how to shoot. But I was really concerned because I'm like, this is going to play a part in this book somehow. This 
I know this is going to be important or it wouldn't be here. Yes. And I don't, I hope that she doesn't lose the core of the character by becoming this badass later on. Mm -hmm. And we're not there yet, but you'll find out what happens. (laughs) That was, that was a real big concern of mine at this point. No, please don't, please don't do that. Please don't do that. I mean, it, it was nice. I, I live for these kinds of not really boring, but you know, more mellow parts of books because I like to see how the characters mesh together when there's no conflict, everything's more or less chill and life is stressful enough for me. So it's kind of nice to see everybody else just enjoying life. They, they have a very calm, like they just have sex constantly all over the place. Everywhere. Everywhere. Today. Yeah, there was... Oh, yeah, let me see if I can find it. Julian's hunger for me knows no bound. He takes me a couple of times every night and often during the day as well. Yet I get the sense that he still wants more. It's there in the intensity of his gaze and the way he always touches me, holds me. He can't keep his hands off of me. And that makes me feel better about my own helpless attraction to him. First of all, I understand. I mean, it's romance reasons, right? How many times a day can you really have sex? That poor girl needs a break. And an ice pack. Yeah. (laughs) Multiple times a night and then multiple times a day. What's that, like six or seven times a day? My body is saying no, just on principle. Uh -uh. Nada. I mean, again, we understand. It's romance. We, We get it. It's amazing. We're here for it. There's a little bit of DevCon that comes into it. When, when I say DEFCON, just for those of you who don't know, dubious consent, where she's not unconsenting, but she's not really all about it either. Yeah. There, there's a degree of coercion, there's a degree of manipulation, or there's an underlying reason why she can't give full consent. Maybe she's drugged, maybe she's had too much alcohol, things of that nature. But while, they're, while he's training her, that Matt scene. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I need to go take some self-defense classes with some hot mafia men. And this, this happens right after one of those instances where somebody refers to her as Senora. She flinches. Yeah. And he snaps. <laughs> like, okay, get on the mat. And she says, I stare at him, my heart climbing into my throat as I realize what he wants. He wants me to fight him, to resist, even though it won't change the outcome. Mm-hmm. She knows she's going to lose and she stands up to him this time. Yeah. She says, I'm not going to fight you. And so he's like, all right, then on your knees. Oh yeah. I remember this. (laughs) I highlighted like three pages here. (laughs) We just highlighted all the sex scenes because we didn't want to forget (laughs) to talk about them. They're important. They are like, yes. And they're half this book. So if we don't talk about them, there's really not much to talk about. If you are, if you want a book that is that is sex driven, mm-hmm. this is one of them. Well, this also is like I said, it's well written. It's not. How did you phrase it? One time we talked, and it was um, I don't remember how you explained it, but it was something where there was too much bodily fluids. Oh, and this isn't like that. It's descript. It's just descriptive enough that makes you go, ooh. It makes but it not so descriptive that you go. Ugh. Yeah, it makes you tingly in the right way. But also, what I like about the sex is that it helps you understand the characters. It's not pointless sex, right? It's not filler. It's great, but it's there for a reason. 
Absolutely. You see Nora, like we said, like stand up to him during sex and other parts of the book. And you see her grasping that she likes this kind of sex and under, and and deals with it and internalizes it and is okay with it at the end. Because in the beginning, it's dubious, right? She's not really sure. She doesn't really want to like it. So she resists it. By the end of the book, she's all for it. At the very end, she says, I think something like, really fuck me, you know? So it shows you how the characters grow because we see Julian also get softer, not quite as crazy during sex, during some of it. It serves a purpose. And what's what I like about it? It's not just there to be there to scandalize you, even though it might, depending on your reading tastes. But if this kind of sex scandalizes you, I don't believe you are listening to the right podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I really like it. It's there, it's there for a reason. It serves a purpose. It helps you understand the characters and see how they grow. Sex should make you grow. You I mean, it's, it's fun, but also it's a part of your personality. But yeah, that Matt scene. Oh, my God. And the choking at the end. Oh, I was just all for that. <laughs> the thing is, that's, I, am, I am down for that. You know, you're like, put it in my veins. That's my vein. Put it in your veins. Okay, I got you. She says, because he, he's choking her and he's insisting that she acknowledge that she's his. Mm-hmm. Because as we have said, he is a possessive motherfucker and he won't stop choking her. He won't let her come until she acknowledges that she's his. And then it's like fireworks and the, it's the 4th of July and Christmas all wrapped into one. But she said, I, I can't believe I came like this without Julie touching my sex at all. I can't believe I came while being afraid of dying. Mm-hmm. And talk about a way that must make you feel alive. Yeah. Also, we know why that scene worked for me, right? Yeah. The mind. <laughs> mine. Oh, he is all over that. <laughs> and it's after that that I sort of feel bad. I felt bad for Nora. The next little part, there's a lot of her thinking about what is normal and what she should want, what she always thought her life was going to be like. And now her reality is so different Mm -hmm. and has to let it go. She has to let go of those thoughts and those dreams of the husband with the 2.5 kids and the dog and the white picket fence. That's never going to be her reality. No, it has to be hard to get to that point of your life and go, and especially to be 19 and go, my life is going to be nothing like what I wanted it to be or what I imagined it to be. That doesn't mean she thinks it's bad. It's just letting go of all of those thoughts and those, those hopes. Yeah. And I really, it made my heart hurt for her a little while. Yeah. But also at 19, do you really know what you want in your life? Truly? You have a feeling of what you, or, or a thought of what you should want or you think you want. But again, we're going back to that at 19 who I was as a person and who I am now and what I thought I wanted and what I want now. Sure. Some of those things are the same, but many, many things are different because, and it should be right. You're much older and you should change and grow as a person. So while I understand that, I also, am like, it's fine at 35. Maybe she, she's like, this is exactly what I wanted. Right. And I think towards the end of the book, she knows this is exactly what she wants. I would agree with that. Anyway, they get real close and it's very domestic with lots of great sex. And he teaches her all about his business. She asks him to teach her and he's he agrees because at this point they're married and he knows she's not going anywhere. 
And it's a little safer for her to know mm-hmm. rather than live in ignorance yeah. because ignorance just gets you killed. I mean, especially in his world. You have the domestic bliss, but you also get some backstory. Like you finally get a story about Beth. And, you know, Beth kind of glides over everything in book one. And then we have the death of Beth, which is unfortunate, but a very important plot point. But you never really find out what happened. And you get all that. You get that story. I just really appreciated that. That is one of my triggers. This is trigger warning, right? This yeah. made this kind of stuff triggers me because we find out that the reason Beth is so loyal to Julian is because Julian saved her from being a prostitute. And she was trying to save her daughter from the pimp because her pimp wanted to. It was She was a very small child, her daughter, maybe like two. And her pimp wanted to pimp out her daughter to a client with a certain preference. And she didn't want to do it. She refused to do it. So the pimp killed her daughter. And that's when Julian found her while he was, you know, traversing Tijuana, I think it was. So, I mean, it's not a very graphic scene, but we we find out that the daughter got shot. Julian took the daughter and her and they buried her. And then they came back and Julian let her kill her pimp. For ever since then, uh, Beth has been his housekeeper, for lack of a better word, and like a chef. And you also get some of Julian's backstory. Yeah, and how horrible his father was. Well, you you find out how Julian, for a while, tried to be normal. Yeah. Which blew my mind. Because the idea of this crazy motherfucker thinking that he could be normal. You know, he went to school for electrical engineering. I know. It's crazy. And Caltech. And he was, like, doing really well. And then people came, killed everybody on the state. And he had to go back and, like, take over for his father. And then he, he killed everybody that killed his family and the workers on his estate and he liked it and he wanted to kill more and that's when he just embraced it he's like all right this is who i am now and nora even her thinking in this is that julian had the opportunity to be normal but he chose to be the type of man that he is and so that makes a big difference to nora in the way that she sees julian i think Mm -hmm. because she recognizes that he is not a good person nope but he sure is addicted to Nora. Without a doubt. And it becomes clear, more and more clear throughout this book. My favorite is when he he compares her to a drug. Just like with any addiction, it seems to require a larger dose of my chosen drug. My dependence on her increases until I'm constantly craving for my next fix. I'm sorry. I want to be somebody's drug of choice. I think that's why this book works <laughs> for many people. He makes her everything to him. And while that is not healthy, you can see how it is appealing. There is something about the idea of having that single-minded focus as such a powerful man who could literally have anyone that he wanted. And he proves yeah. that because he took Nora. If he'd wanted someone else, he would have taken them. There is nothing that is off limits to this man. And he is almost completely and totally dependent on her. And he doesn't like it. No, he's... him. shouldn't be thinking this way. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I'm... She should think this way. She's the one who's supposed to be in love with me. She's the one who's supposed to want me with every fiber of her being. What's wrong with me? And I like seeing that that character arc in Julian. I like seeing how he dealt with that growing infatuation and dependency and how that all works out for him. Mm -hmm. But he teaches her all about his business and... She just hangs out in his office. I love the scene where he talks to the CIA agent that he's like, we took care of your misadventures with the girl. Oh, and she got so mad. Misadventures? Yeah. 
excuse me, this man committed multiple crimes and you're just saying that it's a misadventure. But that's when she discovers how truly powerful Julian is, that he was kind of underplaying it because he's doing all these business meetings with politicians and crime lawyers. Like, he doesn't discriminate. He's like, you got money? I'll take it. <laughs> I don't care who you are. He doesn't take sides. No. He's a very violent Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> And then we meet Peter. That scene was great. I want more of Peter. Well, good news. Peter's got three books. And of course, I love them as well. They're uh, the Tormentor Mind series for anybody who wants to check those out. Peter gets his own three books and he is just as crazy as Julian. So I read Peter's books first because I didn't know uh, the first three existed. Kendall was like, hey, you might like these books. And I read the blurb and I was like, I want it now. Did no research, just clicked and was like, yes, give it to me. <laughs> but Peter is uh, this very scary uh, Russian man who is his head of security. And he comes into the office and Nora's in there. And Nora looks at him and is like, ooh, this man is scary looking. And she's staring at him just because he's so terrifying to her. She acknowledges that he's attractive, she's not attracted to him, but she acknowledges that he is an attractive person, but he's terrifying to her. And she's staring at him and Julian is ticking and he's freaking out next to her. He thinks she likes him. Peter, I don't remember if he excuses Peter or if Peter excuses himself, but Peter leaves. Peter excuses himself. He sees what's happening. He's like, I don't want any of this bullshit. I'm out. <laughs> Done. And Julian is like, did you see something you like? Mm -hmm. And she freaks out. She's like, oh, no. Oh, no. A jealous Julian is a terrible thing. And she's terrified because she realizes she's made a clear mistake here by staring at another man. And yeah, sure enough, as soon as the door closes behind Peter, Julian steps forward. Did you like Peter, my pet? He says softly, crowding me with his powerful body until I'm forced back against the table. Do you have a thing for Russian men? And she says, he frightened me. I admit, figuring honesty is the best policy here. There's something about him that I found disturbing. And he calms down immediately. And she's like, okay, crisis averted. Okay, note to self, don't look at anybody. Just don't look at anybody ever again. Blindfolds are the way to go. Yeah, but I loved that because again, mine is my thing. So caveman brain activated. And then they have some great sex. And again, you said how much you like the sex scenes from Julian's point of view because you get the sado, how do you say, sadist part of sadist. it. This is where we see a little bit of an arc. Because in the beginning, we see how much he just wants to hurt her and gets off on hurting her. Then he says, though the monster inside me still gets off on her pain and fear, her growing strength and resilience appeals to me. I never want to break her, only make her mine. Mine, of course. And it pleases me to see her become my match in more ways than one. Because she is starting to stand up to him. Part of her art is finding that strength to stand on her own. Yeah, because when she like almost breaks his nose, Oh, I laughed. I, I, cackled. I was like, yes, you go girl. Oh my God. It was amazing. This is another part where they're training and he's like staring at her boobs and he, he gets distracted as men do. And she almost breaks his nose because she's getting good at fighting. And then of course she's remorseful and she's like, oh my God, I'm so, so sorry. And he is laughing. <laughs> she's what are you laughing about? He's like, I could have really hurt you. Like, he feels really bad about it. And he's just so proud of her. And it makes me happy. It makes me swoon. It makes my brain happy. What made my brain happy was this is the point where we find the bad guy. 
Yes, Majid. Who we didn't really discuss in book one, but if you read book one, you know that he's a terrorist who kidnaps Nora from the clinic, tortures and kills Beth. He's in charge of the Al-Qadar terrorist organization. Yeah, and Julian's been taking them out left and right. But for all, as far as we are aware, up until this point, Majid has been de- was dead during the explosion when the base blew up and knocked Julian out and yeah. what Laura thought killed Julian. So he's got a lot to answer for and, and dying in the explosion. I wasn't real happy with that. I, I thought he needed to hurt more. He needed more pain, but I'm an evil person and I accept that. But him being alive makes Julian afraid for Nora. Yeah. The only way to get to Julian is through Nora. And this, I think, is, is Nat's favorite part of the book. Oh my God, this is my favorite part. <laughs> this is my favorite part. So he decides because I'm I'm trash for these kind of things. He finds out this guy's alive and she's terrified. So he calmly tells Nora that she's going to be getting some trackers and put into her in case she gets taken again. And she stands up to him and is like, I'm not doing it. No, no, no. And then he gets real mad, of course, as Julian face comes on. And they're having dinner at this point. So the only thing she can think of to do is she pushes all the food on him, like all the all the plates and bolts out the door and she's running. She says, so let me get this straight. You want to implant some chips inside my body that will tell you where I am all the time just to be safe on a remote compound that has more security than the White House. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Completely unrepentant, completely unapologetic. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. I'm glad you understand. Yeah. I just love how sarcastic Nora is becoming. She's always been a little sarcastic, but now she's really growing into it. So anyway, she pushes all this food on him and she bolts. And we get the chase scene that her and even in her brain, she's like, oh, this reminds me of that very first time I ran from him right after I woke up on the island. And it's like exhilarating. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm kind of into this. Why am I into this? Why am I getting hot? (laughs) Like running from him. Anyway, of course, he, he chases her and she gets a little embarrassed because Anna and Rosie are standing there and they're watching this happen. And while they had probably some sort of inkling on the kind of relationship that Nora and Julian had, they'd never seen it play out. So he runs. She really runs. He, he tackles her on the lawn. And this is fun because she takes him down. <laughs> With her training he's like training her and instead of pulling away or whatever she like drops and like tries to kick him in the balls and the only reason that didn't work is because i'm the one who taught you that move so that was fun of course he subdues her and then kicking and screaming drags her back into the house and he drugs her again yeah this man and, and his needles <laughs> he really likes that drugs I would be searching that house if I were her, obliterating everyone I found. Yeah, he's got stock in them or something. But I just have to go back a little because this was funny to me as well. Dangerous little thing, aren't you? He murmurs, settling more comfortably on top of me. To my annoyance, his breathing is already becoming normal. If I hadn't been the one to teach you that move, my pet, it might have actually worked. This is what I liked. And this is what I liked, as you remember, the first book where they have the race. This dude can... He's like Superman. He just ran super hard, tackled, fought. And he's just like, I'm cool. I mean, of course, he like has sex eight times a day, like no problem. So yeah. And she's just really annoyed about that because and I totally get it because I would be too. I'd be like, I'm fighting my hardest right now. And this dude's not even exerting himself. That's not fair. (laughs) 
Yeah. So he brings her in and are you really going to fight me on this? She says, actually, the real question is whether you're going to, Julian. Are you going to drag me kicking and screaming to get these trackers put in? Because that's what you'll have to do. I'm not going along with this like some good little captive. I'm done playing that role. And he says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep you safe. Well, you find out that Julian is pathological about his fear of Nora being taken. Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah. He has a security team on her at the estate in this compound in the middle of Columbia on the edge of the rainforest where nobody can get to. And he has two security people on her anytime she leaves the house. Talk about obsessive. At one point, he's even afraid that she's going to get bitten by an insect or an animal is going to attack her out of the jungle. Yeah. I'm sorry, side note, she just goes running and stuff and he goes with her in case a, a jaguar or something attacks her. If I left some other jaguars, I'm not going outside, period. Yeah, I would be running. That would, that would just not be, a, be an issue for me. I'm not going outside. I once dated a, someone who lived in a more rural part of the state and we were hanging out and he wanted to go barbecue outside. And as a side note, he's like, just watch out for the mountain lions. And I was like, excuse me, sir? Did you just say, watch out for the mountain lions? As in roar kitty, like big kitty eat me? And he's like, yeah, they're, you know, sometimes they like hang out. So um, I promptly never went outside again up there. Ran from the car to the house. I'm like, I'm, you're, I'm not hanging out outside. <laughs> anyway, this is where we get, again, the non-consenting part is brought back into it because she's begging him not to put these trackers because he, he takes out the needle and she's like, please don't do this. If you love me, you won't do this. Yeah, if you love me, you won't do this, please. If you care for me at all, if you love me, please don't do this. And he's like, sorry, plop. <laughs> and then knocks her out and then brings her to the doctor and he inserts not one, not two, but three trackers into her. Because the logic is if she ever gets taken and they think that she has a tracker on her, they'll take out one, but they wouldn't take all three out because they wouldn't think that she had three. And when she's complaining about the tracker, he's like, well, don't worry because it also monitors your heart rate so I can tell if you're alive. And she's like, that's supposed to make me feel better. Yeah. But he actually feels bad, though. This is when we start to see a little bit of Julian's softer side. He's like, I'm feeling this weird feeling in my chest. What is this feeling? I don't like it. Well, she tells him, she says, I hate you. And then she's indifferent. When she wakes Mm -hmm. up after the drug, she just wants nothing to do with him. He's not letting that happen. She wakes up and she goes to the bathroom. And of course, his immediate thought is I'm just going to start jacking off because she's hot. And then she comes back and he's like, come here. We're going to do this sexy times for the 18,000th time because this is the way we do it. Well, just before we get into the sex, there's another important conversation that I want to mention. After Nora wakes up, she's having a lot of problems. I mean, she says, I don't know why I'm crying. Nobody died. Truly nothing terrible has happened. I've been through so much worse in the past two years and I've coped with it. I've adjusted and survived. This relatively minor thing shouldn't make me feel like my heart has been ripped out. My growing conviction that Julian is not capable of love shouldn't destroy me like this. Yeah. She is heartbroken. And Anna, lovely, wonderful Anna, takes her aside and says, let me tell you some things about Julian. Mm-hmm. And we learned yeah. about what Julian's childhood was like. I am terrified of spiders. I don't care if they are the size of an itty bitty tiny little thing or if they're the size of my hand. I don't want to be near them. Everyone in my house can attest to this because I scream like a little girl. And Julian, as a child, was afraid of spiders. And in the rainforest, they have some big old honking spiders and mm-hmm. bugs. And so his dad 
takes him out and makes him catch and kill these spiders with his hands to teach him not to be afraid. So you get a little bit about Julian's history. And then Anna explains that Julian has lost everybody that he has ever loved or cared about. Yeah. Maria, when he was young, then later his mother, everyone that he has had an attachment to has been taken from him. Mm -hmm. And Nora kind of comes to this acceptance almost, not completely, but far more along the, the lines of accepting that the tracker is for her safety, not just because he's crazy. Yeah. He is banana pants crazy, but there is an element of he's lost everything and he, he can't handle losing her. Yeah. I mean, his dad is a horrible human being. He made him kill someone at like eight, right? That was his first time killing somebody. I mean, I can't even. Anyway. I get that he cried after mm-hmm. he killed someone and his dad beat him for it. Yeah. Oh my God. He's a horrible human being. I don't feel that bad that he died. I don't. I didn't either. But yeah, back to the sex. <laughs> this was my favorite scene. This was my favorite sex scene. Oh, please tell me. Okay, so take it away, my friend. Throughout the scene, he makes her describe how everything that he's doing feels. Mm-hmm. And it's big on the, the sensations of the blindfold and the nipple clamps. Hang on. I think you've gotten too far ahead of yourself. That's not right after she wakes up after being drugged. After she wakes up being drugged. The conversation with Anna. I, I guess okay. I skipped around a little bit. My bad. I'll come back to that. Yeah. Hold that thought. After she wakes up from the drug and is very indifferent he is very adamant about having sex with her making her acknowledge him because for him if she acknowledges him and has sex with him and has an orgasm like it means she still loves him and he at first decides that he's going to like punish her you know like with the punishing sex but then he can't do it and he has like a ve- again very like vanilla making love kind of thing that she is not okay with because she's like, I don't want this from you. I want you to be a horrible human being to me so I can remember who you are. Because he says, reigning in my own lust, I set about caring for her the only way I know how. I kiss her all over, tasting her soft, warm skin. Okay, he massages her. This is like the second time that he massages her. The first time is in a book one for her birthday. And romance reasons, again, like I know this is a romance book, but my husband can't massage for shit. My husband does not know gentle. And I feel like I'm being broken anytime he tries to massage me. My honey can. It's great with his hands. Well, shit, man. Good for you. Now I'm jealous. But anyway, I just really appreciated the massage scene. The end. Anyways, so he like puts her pleasure first. Again, she really doesn't want that. She wants him to be horrible to her. Not horrible. His usual dominating, usual sex-wise self. Because she doesn't want to be made love to. Because she doesn't think he loves her. Go on. Now you can talk about your crazy sex scene with the, <laughs> with the blindfold. Well, she goes in to, sh- to take her shower. And Julian has found Majid. He's had one of his, I don't want to say spies, but that's the only word that's coming to Contacts. Me right contacts has gotten in touch with him and said we know where he is yep and so julian is getting ready to lead a mission to kill majid and nora flips out yeah not want him to go you have people to do this why do you have to go it's dangerous what if you don't come back and he's like this is what i do this is what i live for and he talks about how or he thinks about how that thrill of the hunt and the violence really does it for him Mm -hmm. so it's just before he is scheduled to leave and he is going to leave her with something a night to remember yeah 
But can I say before she makes Anna make lasagna and tiramisu and like all his favorite food? And my note is, <laughs> I know what's happening, right? Like she's dressed all sexy and she's got lingerie on underneath her sexy dress. My note is lasagna and tiramisu before sex, Nora. Does that sound like a good idea? <laughs> But then my other note is, I guess maybe they're carbo-loading for like a marathon session. <laughs> Again, I know this is a romance novel, but so, you know, everything is sexy. It's supposed to be sexy. But after I have lasagna and tiramisu, I just sit on the couch, just melt into the couch. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is take off my clothes and show my food baby to my husband. <laughs> But this is a romance novel and everybody has six pack abs. So it's all it's not a problem <laughs> because the sex that happens after this lasagna and tiramisu is insane. Go ahead. Take it away. Well, he says some nights I want to treat her at like the fragile, breakable creature she is. Tonight, however, I want something different. And he tells her to get on the bed. He handcuffs her and she's still healing from having the trackers implanted. Mm -hmm. There's still a couple of open wounds. Yeah. They're not big, but they're there. And he says, so what do you think? What do you think I'm going to do to you, my pet? And she says, well, flog me. And it's one of the few times that he says, no, baby. He doesn't refer to her as pet. That caught my attention. There. I was like, oh, oh so sweet. this is so sweet. He's like, you're not healed enough for that. So I've got something else planned. Yeah. So she's got her hands handcuffed. He blindfolds her. And then he pulls out the nipple clamps. Yeah. And these aren't the baby nipple clamps. These are the like the alligator nipple clamp where they're designed to hurt. Yeah, ouchies. Designed to put a lot of pressure. And they hurt. And he says, how does it feel? And every step of the way, everywhere he leads her through this encounter, he says, how does it feel? He makes her be in the moment. And he says... Tonight, I want to get inside her mind just as much as I want to get inside her body. And I won't settle for anything less. And this is Julian's mind fuck at its best. Yeah, we're not supposed to like that. But we like it a lot, don't we? <laughs> he also says, you are so fucking hot to her at some point during this. And let's just take note that that's really nice to hear. Guys, take note. Take note. That's really <laughs> nice to hear. Because she put effort into the way she looked. So, and he like really acknowledged it. He also, he uses a toy on her. He, he has a dildo that is, I think it says it's his approximate size and shape. Yeah. <laughs> Hello? Uh, that she'll ever get to another man. Yeah. That went straight to my id brain. Yes. <laughs> Nobody else shall touch. Mine only. Because he says it's made out of this um, material that's like meant to be synthetic skin. So it's as close to another wee-wee as we're going to get, Nora. And he says, so how does it feel? And she's like, I, 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 and he's like, yeah. And he forces her again to acknowledge that she's incredibly turned on by what he's done. And then he says, as much as I want to continue playing with her, I can no longer wait to fuck her. And then it's like, all bets are off. Because yeah, they are. But the nipple clamps and the dildo, it's like a, a double penetration scene with only one person. And that's never a bad thing. No complaints. That was insane. That is the craziest after lasagna sex I've ever encountered. <laughs> And then they have this incredible orgasm together. And then in the aftermath, he rolls off of me and gathers me against him, cradling me from behind and our breathing begins to slow as we drift off into dreamless sleep. Again, this is not the only place that this happens. It happens in many romances that they have sex, this incredible sex, and everybody just falls asleep all cuddly. And again, I know it's not real life and it's romance, but my only thought and my only note here was you need to pee first. <laughs> I love your, your down-to-earth reality checks, Nat. 
Well, before they fall asleep and after the hot sex, he says, so how does it feel now? Tell me now. And he calls her baby again. She says, I feel like you shredded me into pieces and then remade those pieces into something else. Something that's no longer me. Something that belongs to you. And he says, yes. And what else? And I love you. She says quietly. I love you. Even though I see you for what you are, even though I know what you're doing to me, I love you because I'm no longer capable of not loving you because you're now part of me for better or for worse. Yeah. And this and is where the arc happens. She does, She's like, okay with loving him, even though he's a horrible human being. This is that moment where it's like, it all comes together. Yeah. And I just love that. Oh, it's so good. So good. And then they fall asleep and nobody gets a UTI. Well, of course not. <laughs> of course not. It's a romance novel. Actually, this happens before he is getting ready to go. This is before the lasagna. The sex is before the lasagna dinner. Is it? Are you sure? I'm looking at the book because oh. the sex is in chapter 18 and he leaves in chapter 19. And she says, I'm going to see Julian tonight for no other reason than because I want to. Yeah. And then they have the sexy dinner. With and the sexy laundry. You were so fucking hot. And no, they definitely have the, the carb session before the sex session after that because that's when she says, I want you to fuck me. I want I don't want you to make love to me. I want you to fuck me. I want you yeah. to fuck me. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want me to fuck you, do you? <laughs> All right then. Oh. Let me see how it's done. Okay. Maybe you're right. I'm gonna have to go back and look. And then all hell breaks loose, guys. This is where Tori gets really happy because she wanted action and not not necessarily the sex kind. I'm not objecting to the sex, but I like the plot action too. Yeah. So she gets some action. Julian goes away and they go to Russia to meet with, you know, romance reasons, whatever. They, they go to this Russia to meet with some dudes about some stuff, illegal weapons and whatnot. And they go to dinner with this diplomat and his translator, who happens to be a very sexy Russian translator. And Julian notes that she's about maybe a year or so older than Nora, not much older. And she's attractive, but he's like totally not into her. And they're discussing some sort of deal where the Russian guy wants him to, I don't know, like not get, I wasn't really paying attention too much, to be honest with you. (laughs) It was something to the effect of, you know, we want to, we want to buy these from you and we'll pay this much money. Yeah, but we also want you to conveniently not sell to, funnily yeah. enough, the Ukraine. I think the Ukraine, yeah, which is incredibly timely, even though this was written several yeah. years. And Julian is like, "Well, wait, you want to pay me twenty percent when you're causing me to lose fifty percent? I don't yeah. think so. so." There's there's some wheeling and dealing going on. Yeah, they come to an agreement eventually. They come to an agreement, and then the translator hits on Julian. Yeah, and the translator's like, "Oh, could you please give me a ride to the subway? It's so cold." He tells um, Lucas, who's with him his American pilot man, pat her down, and then she can get in the car. So he does. And when they go, and then she's like, hey, like, if you're not doing anything tonight, and Julian turns her down completely. This is the first time that he's turned someone down, right? Because he's happy with Nora. And after they drop off the translator lady, Lucas is like, hey, if you're not doing her, can I do her? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Whatever makes you did. And he's like, yeah, totally for it. And he's like, I never thought I would see you as a happily married man. And Luke And Julian's like, yeah, I honestly never thought that either. (laughs) But he's like, I just want to go to the hotel, think of Nora, jerk off and go to sleep. And then we'll we'll see. We have an early flight tomorrow. Side note, Lucas and the translator get their own series as well. Do they? I didn't realize that because my note is I really want Lucas's story. 
I love all of her books. So I can't really say like, oh, it's my favorite. But I really, really like Lucas and Yulia's story. It's good. I think I told you on the first episode, like she's the one who blew up their plane. And Lucas gets her back for revenge reasons because he had sex with her and gave her some information unknowingly that she was a spy that they're like leaving at a certain time tomorrow morning. And she is a Ukrainian spy. And because she doesn't want this deal to happen, that just happened. She tells her people and her people tell the Uzbek, I think it was the Uzbek army or whatever, to blow up a plane. So he gets her back. This is a complete side note. <laughs> as, as we do. He gets her back and then he wants to torture her because he's mad that he got played. But of course, it's a romance novel and they fall in love. <laughs> He doesn't fall in love with the person torturing you. I mean, duh. Well, it's the thing. Like, there's really no torture happening. The whole ongoing joke of this series with Lucas and Yulia is that she's the most well-kept prisoner like anybody has ever had. Anyway. I'm looking forward to, to both Peter's story and Lucas's. So yes. we have to cover those a little later on. Yeah, we're going to be busy. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to keep up with all the books that I have to read. Um, Somewhere I have to have real life. Doesn't that just suck? Yeah, I have a real job. Yeah, so the important part to take away from everything we just said, the plane blows up. The plane blows up and Nora freaks out. We can just skip through it. She freaks out. But of course, Julian is alive and he's in this like hospital. And Nora is talking to Julian on on again, like FaceTime or something when all these gunshots happen and Majid shows up and kidnaps Julian. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Well, when he's in the hospital, Nora tells Peter, he's left Peter in charge. Yeah. of the security at the at the estate and Nora's like okay so when do we leave we're he's in the hospital I have to go and Peter's like are you insane he'll kill me yeah no nope. he skinned me alive so Nora hears all of his gunshots and she starts screaming and Peter comes barreling in what happened tell me everything and Nora comes up with a plan yeah she's like well I have all these trackers in me let's put them to use baby <laughs> Because by the time you find him, he might be dead. He doesn't have the trackers. Only I do. So she convinces Peter to let herself get kidnapped so that they can find Julian through her trackers. Peter's got his own backstory, but short story, he needs this list of people who blew up a village he lived in and like killed his family. And uh, Julian told him he will get him that list if he serves him for three years. And Nora's like, well, if he dies, you don't get that list. I'll get that list for you much sooner. Like as soon as Julian is back, I'll get you that list if you help me with this plan. And the plan is she's going to get herself kidnapped and brought over to Julian so that Peter can track them and save Julian. But Nora can't get kidnapped from the estate because that's never going to happen. Yeah. So she flies back to Chicago and visits her parents. Yeah. And she's there overnight and nothing happens. She's trying to get her parents to go out so that she's alone and they have a chance to kidnap her without her parents being put at risk. That doesn't happen. So she says, I'm going to go to the mall. Yeah, I'm going shopping. Parents are like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, I've been in the middle of nowhere forever. Like, I want to go shopping. So while she's shopping, she actually runs into Leah. Mm -hmm from the first book was her best friend yeah and the reason that she ended up in julian's clutches in the first place yeah if she hadn't gone to that club with leah he would have never known her he would have never known and jake found justice yes i have the same note justice <laughs> for jake is served <laughs> it turns out leah and jake have hooked up i want that story too anna write that story too <laughs> And Leah is almost embarrassed because she's like, I'm sorry, I should have told you. And Nora comes to this realization that I don't care. My best friend and my former crush, they're together. And all I want is for them to be happy. Yes. 
but what I hee-hawed over was Leah says, so is your husband with you? Mm-hmm. And she said, it says, Jake's face goes white. Yeah, <laughs> poor Jake. I was just like, oh my God, that poor guy. But of course, Julian is captured and is being tortured. So yeah, anyway, so she does take a cab back home. She's been one around this mall. No one's taking her. She's like, I'm just going to go home. So I'll take this cab. And that's when she gets kidnapped by the cabbie because the cabbie is a little shady and she's terrified because they're going to kidnap her. But she's like, this is what I wanted. Like, I'm, She's trying to ration herself into not being scared. But of course, you're going to be scared. And then it cuts scene. Mm-hmm. We go to Julian, who's being tortured. Yeah. It's, it's kind of graphic. Folks. It's super so, violent. Yeah. Super violent here. I mean, we're talking graphic, violent torture. Mm-hmm. So be prepared for that. And Julian is such a pretty after when when all is said and done. Yeah. Um, they cut him up pretty good. Yeah. So what happens is Majid comes in and is like, tell me the location of your factory and I'll kill you fast if you don't torture you first. And Julian's like, whatever, just do your worst. And so he starts cutting up his like face and his eye. He takes out his eye and then he stops and he's like, I want you to keep your right eye because in a couple hours, I really want you to see something. And then they bring Nora in and Julian freaks. He's like, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. They're like, yeah, we found her shopping like a greedy American bitch. And they have stripped her naked, mm-hmm. dressed her in another man's shirt. Yeah. So she's nothing but a this man's shirt and her Ugg boots. Yeah. <laughs> what a sight. <laughs> and Julian flips. Yeah. She even says she didn't do anything to me except they cut out my birth control implant. Yes. And very... Very interesting point because they thought it was a tracker. And once they took it out and they thought it was this plastic piece of birth control, they're like, oh, cool. And they didn't even look for the other trackers. So she's got all three trackers on her, but no birth control anymore. But Majid cuts her. Yeah. He holds a knife to her throat and she can feel the blood running down her skin. Yeah. And Julian flips. Oh my God, this is my favorite scene in the whole book. The sex is great, but this is my favorite scene because he's been tortured. He's been beaten, dehydrated, probably. He has one eye and he's tied to a chair. And this man murders a dude standing next to him while tied to a chair. I know, wasn't it awesome? It was so good. You guys have to read it. I can't do it justice. It's I've highlighted it, but it's very long and I'm not going to read it to you. Go read the book. It's good. Anyway, he fucking kills this dude like while tied to a chair. That's lethal. Like, that's when you're like, oh, this guy's like no one to mess with. Not that we didn't know that before, but it really brings it home. And as Majid and the other guys are beating up Julian, there's an explosion. Yes. And Nora gets a gun. Not yet. Oh, no. Not yet. She gets a knife and she cuts. Cuts off the duct tape. And Majid comes back in and he's getting ready to kill Julian. So she takes the AK-47 and she shoots the gun out of his hand. Yes. I mean, it's not even a matter of she just, you know, a spray a bullet. It's not an, oh, I shot him in the leg. He's been training. She shot him twice. Once in the hand and once in the elbow. And then she walks over to him stares him in the eye, Mm -hmm. shoots him, I think they said like five more times. Mm -hmm. She lets him bleed. She lets him hurt. And she stares at him when she shoots him in the forehead. Yeah. Point blank range. And he's begging for his life at this point. He's like, please don't kill me. And she kills him. She kills him dead. Yeah, it's so good. She's badass. My my note is fuck yeah, Nora. Well, I went back to that first, to my first thought about, I don't want a badass Nora. And I'm like, I was wrong. Yes. Get back. I want to, yes. Yes. She did it correctly. It doesn't take away from Nora. It was perfect. And she got justice for Beth herself. 
And she saved Julian. Yes, because otherwise they would not have been able to find him. And he totally would have been dead and horribly flayed. And then she saved him by killing Majid. And then Peter comes and saves everybody. (laughs) And the next part that I really appreciated. See, I I don't know the stories coming up. Mm-hmm. But Lucas doesn't die. Yes. And that was, yay, Lucas didn't die. Because I really like Lucas. Yeah, you're, you're going to like Lucas even more. <laughs> and Julian initially seems to have taken the plan in stride. Expecting him to want to kill Peter. Well, he and does. Really, I was concerned for Peter's safety. Well, Peter got the hell out of there as soon as he got him back to the hospital in Sweden. And yeah. I don't blame him. No, he's like, I'm out. Peace. <laughs> he's going to murder me dead. They wake up in a fancy-ass hospital room. And I'm like, of course this hospital room has Egyptian sheets. Freaking romance novel reasons. I love it. I'm I'm for it. I'm not saying anything bad about it. I'm just like, yes, of course. Of course there's a bathroom with a full shower on the plane. And of course the hospital bed has Egyptian sheets. And it's like a master suite. It barely looks like a hospital. It's like a hotel. They're going to do stuff in it. So who wants to have sex in a hospital? It smells weird. Well, Nora has to face a very harsh truth in this Mm -hmm moment she says i didn't kill him to protect you or because i had no other choice i killed him because i wanted to he pauses then adds her eyes glittering i killed him because i wanted to see him die i murdered majid in cold blood mm-hmm. when i saw him step into that room i knew what i wanted to do and i did it i shot the weapon out of his hand and when he was unarmed i shot him again in the stomach and the chest making sure to not hit him in the heart so he'd live a couple of minutes longer i could have killed him right away but i didn't I kept him alive because I wanted to look him in the face when I took his life. Hell yeah. And she feels bad about not feeling bad about it. Again, back to that. And he's freaking out because he thought she was going to feel terrible about it, right? She killed a person. It's the first person she's ever killed. And he's trying to figure out how do I console her? I know how hard this is going to be. And she's like, no, bitch, that's not the problem. Yeah. Like, I think I might also be a sociopath. She's freaking out about that. And he's like, don't feel bad. Yeah, I felt bad because my first kill was a random person. I had no idea, you know, who they were. My dad made me do it. You killed an evil human and you made this world a better place for it. You shouldn't feel bad. And she accepts it eventually. And then there's hospital sex. Yeah, hospital sex is great because his other worry is that now he's got like this messed up face and she's going to think that he's gross and not want to have sex with him. So they have hot sex when she's on top. I think this is the first time she's been on top this whole time. I think so. Yeah, because it's obviously, you know, a little banged up. And she starts to freak out. She starts to have a panic attack and he smacks her. Yeah. And my, my notes, panic attack and sex is a way of circumventing it. I wonder if my therapist would agree. <laughs> <laughs> you could ask. I'll keep that in mind for my next session. Keep it in mind. And I'll ask my friend. Who makes me feel better about being me. This is where it's really sweet because he's like, no one has ever tried to protect me before until Nora. He's surprised that she comes for him. Yeah. And he's like, how could you have done this? I don't care about my fucking life. Don't you get it, Nora? You are the only person I care about. You, not me, not anyone else. And Nora's like, oh my God, he does love me. The dum-dum does love me. It's so good. Hit me in all the feels. It's so good. Will you ever let me go? I murmur, remembering our long ago conversation. His lips twitch in a faint smile. He remembers too. No, he replies softly, never. We lie in silence for a few moments, and then he asks quietly, do you want me to let you go? No, Julian. I close my eyes, a smile covering my own lips. Never. Yeah. 
the end oh it's so good guys she wraps it up so well I'm kind of curious about what's left for book three because I can't think of loose ends that need to be cleared up so Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see Mm -hmm. what comes up for our next episode oh you'll see I wasn't as compelled at the end of twist me to read keep me I can't I could take it or leave it but now I'm like oh I've got to see this I've got to see how this work turns out and I'm excited it's good it definitely could have been a duet I think right like if I think if we ended it here it would have been a satisfying ending but you need to see what happens next because of the other trilogies that are coming ah okay you know the ones that we're definitely going to (laughs) read because we want Peter we want Lucas this did everything for me that it needed to do I got everything I needed here everything. I did find it slow. For a good chunk of the book, it took a while for the action to pick up. And that's what really draws me in. Mm-hmm. I enjoy a little bit of the domestic bliss, but I need something more. And it, it took a while for that to manifest. Otherwise, it, it hit everything. It hit all, my, all the highlights it needed to. Yeah. And I really enjoy the domestic bliss. So give me more domestic bliss. As we said, like I'm down for it. Tell me all about the walking around and sexy time and college. Oh, we didn't even talk about it. You know, I was in college and stuff. It's not really that important, but yeah, it was everything I needed. Dark, dark scale. Probably I give it a three. It's not quite as dark as one. I think one was darker because it was a kid, complete kidnapping, complete non-con, which is non-consensual stuff. We're going to put a key in the show notes because we have some people listening who aren't avid readers of romance who don't know the terminology the same the same way we do and like flying with terms and they're like what are you talking about (laughs) so thank you for the notes guys and thank you for the amazing feedback that you've given us on the first episode i can't believe how much people actually liked it support from the listeners so far has been outstanding it's you guys don't know how much that means to us yeah we never thought anybody would listen to us maybe like four of our friends and that's it so to have all of you listening is mind boggling. So we ask that you again review because that's how other people find us. Yes. So review, leave us comments, leave yeah. us feedback at Trigger Warning Romance on Instagram or TikTok and our Facebook group, Trigger Warning Romance. We'll leave the links for everything in the show notes. Yeah, join the fun. And we're looking for some standalone books that we're, we'd like to read because for some reason, I'm not sure why, but a lot of the dark books are either duets or trilogies. I don't know why that is, because most traditional or like non-dark romance, there are a lot of standalones that you can choose from. But every single book that I can think of is usually at least a duet. Yeah, most of them are. Which I wonder why that is. I don't know. I think because it's the, the dark, my personal opinion is that to make it dark, it has to have so much more than just the romance. It so more. it takes more time. Yeah, I can see that. I think this one might be my favorite of the three, but then we'll read the next one. I haven't read them in a while, so I haven't read Hold Me in quite a while. So maybe I'll read it and be like, oh my God, this is my favorite one. I love anything Aaron's Aries writes. So it's really difficult for me to say which one is my favorite. Have you read her Alien book? No, this is this was my first introduction to Anna's Aries. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I am, it's, it's all new and all exciting. Okay, because Alien books aren't quite as dark as these. But I really like them because of like the bonkers, crazy level of them. Guys, go look them up. They're the Krenar series. Oh my God, they're so good. It's like aliens invade the earth. They're like, of course, super hot aliens. Uh, Yeah. Naturally. That's pretty much it, everybody. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Please rate and review and follow us on our socials at Trigger Warning Romance.
And tune in next week for our deep dive into the final book of the trilogy, Hold Me. And then do we want to tell them what we're doing after that? Or do you want to hold it? I think we can tell them. Um, In case people want to read in advance. Also, we're going to try putting these out weekly, but don't hold us to it if we don't, because we don't know what we're doing. And we do have full-time jobs. After we finish with Hold Me, we're going to be doing Sweet Cruelty by Zoe Blake. Yes, Zoe Blake. We're going to have a, a couple of episodes from her Ruthless Obsession trilogy. Yes. Which is my favorite of her. She's written quite a few books. That I love all of them, but I think the Ruthless Obsession like ones are my favorite. So go read those. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up. Yes, we so do. I hope you guys continue to tune in. Tell your friends, listen and review, and we will talk to you next week. Until next time, everybody. <laughs>